at its best. You're listening to Rainbow Soul from BlakeRadio.com. The opinions and views expressed by the host and guest are not necessarily the views and opinions of the Blake Radio Network. Broadcasting, broadcasting to the world, broadcasting to the world, to the world. Talk radio at its best. You're listening to Rainbow Soul from BlakeRadio.com. Cyberspace is the place that only a human being locates where there's so much information to chase there you enter an entirely new phase once you get on the internet become worldwide web it's a new welcome world to the cyberspace sanctuary a safe house for your mind i'm your host and facilitator Junius Ricardo Stanton, inviting you to stay tuned for interesting interviews, news you can use, and programming designed with you in mind. Free your mind, the rest will follow, right here on the Cyberspace Sanctuary, on the Blake Radio Network, Rainbow Voice. Cyberspace is the place. Cyberspace is the place Oh, 
Welcome to the Cyberspace Sanctuary, a safe house for your mind on the Blake Radio Network's Rainbow Soul. We started off the program with a message in the music from Bill Withers, the best that you can. And that's the main refrain for our lives. Do the best that you can. Play the hand that you're dealt. Always come with your A game, but do the best that you can. And I suspect that's the philosophy of our guest, none other than Neil Blake, the founder of the Blake Radio Network. And we'll be speaking with him following these messages. So don't go anywhere. You're logged on to the Cyberspace Sanctuary with Junius Ricardo Stanton here on the Blake Radio Network. Stay tuned. Greetings to the Internet Radio family. This is Reverend Valentine speaking. You know, for nearly 30 years, I have had the distinct experience of being interviewed over every medium of communication available to the public. And except for the metaphysical underground, I can think of no other electronic venue that has been more progressive, more innovative, more insightful, more diligent, more diverse in its demographics, and more courageously supportive of the truth than this ever-growing phenomenon called Internet Radio. And this is precisely why I'm here to tell you that it is so vital that you give your wholehearted support to it. Tell a friend. In fact, tell two, three, and four of your friends. If you are a business owner, support Internet Radio by telling your customers and constituents all about it. Let them know that there is a legitimate and important substitute to all of the prefabricated, super-censored garbage polluting our public airways today. Don't allow the mass media to continue to treat you like a mindless consumer drone. Enhance your awareness. Indulge your critical thinking, your reasoning, and your analysis. Do as I do. Log on, listen in, and then let it be known all about your internet radio experience. Chimatep, beloved family, thank you for listening. Walk in light. Hi, I'm Junius Ricardo Stanton, inviting you to join me in financially supporting the Blake Radio Network on a regular basis. We need your continuing patronage to help the Blake Radio Network remain alive and thriving both now and well into the future. There are several easy ways you can send your contribution. To use PayPal, click on the help link on the Blake Radio Network's website at www.blakeradio.com or you can go directly to the PayPal website and click the send money link, type in rainbowsoul at blakeradio.com as the email address and unlimited ventures as the payee. Then follow the instructions. To send a check or money order, make it out to Unlimited Ventures, care of Neil Blake, and mail it to 73 Ireland Place, that's I-R-E-L-E-N-D, Place, Suite 109, Amityville, A-M-I-T-Y-V-I-L-L-E, New York, 11701. It's easy, painless, and uncomplicated. And you'll feel great after doing it, knowing you're keeping the Blake Radio Network alive and on the cutting edge of media technology. I'm Junius Ricardo Stanton, thanking you in advance for your support. 
You're listening to the Cyberspace Sanctuary, a safe house for your mind on the Blake Radio Network's Rainbow Soul. Stay tuned. Our guest is a very dear friend of mine, a man who took a risk on an unknown person about 14, almost 15 years ago, and included me in the lineup of Rainbow Soul, which at that time was the preeminent talk channel on internet radios, internet pioneer. He started along with uh, Don Rojas. We were doing something different on uh, Black World Today, and Black World Today went under, and, and, and Neil took a chance on me and, and took me on. We've been friends and colleagues ever since. He's a television producer. He's an innov- innovative communicator. He has been in the forefront of internet broadcasting, television, long before <coughs> we was, uh, had what it is now. He was streaming videos. He was streaming music uh, well over probably, I guess, I don't know, we'll talk about 20, 30 genres of music. And he was a pioneer in, in internet talk radio. It's my pleasure to welcome him back to the microphone, Neil Blake. Welcome, brother. How you doing? Hey, Junius. How you doing, man? Thank you so much. I mean, you took me on a, a blast from the past and all that information 10, 15 years ago. It's just amazing, amazing how fast time flies. I know. Did you ever think that uh, we'd be where we are today and uh, struggling because we, you started off with a, with a very high curve and a high bar and you maintained it, but we unlike like a lot of conscious media, going back to Freedom's Journal, we just didn't get the support. Yeah, I mean that that has been the, the situation uh, for a long time when it when it comes to anybody of color and in particular the African American community trying to do things, you know, in a positive way and to spread positive information. And the reason being is that, you know, for the most part, you know, as a community, we don't control anything. And if you don't control anything, then that means you rely on another community to give you your breaks and to give you, you know, the opportunities to do things. I mean, I think in 2014 it shouldn't be that way, but un- un- unfortunately it is. And, you know, we don't control the bandwidth. We don't control the streams. We don't control, you know, the infrastructure of, of how things, you know, function in this country. And so, therefore, we we're always going to be at, you know, another man's mercy in terms of, of getting things done. When it comes to radio and television, you know, I have to say that, you know, I've watched the evolution of the independent producer being able to make things happen, and I'm I'm really happy and and really excited about that. I mean, you see all those kinds of programming uh, on YouTube and on different uh, various people's websites and things of that sort. So, you know, there is an option in 2014. You are able to uh, create content and and let the world hear it or see it. You know, you could do a video. If it goes viral, you could have one million, three million, five million people. Uh, checking out your content. So that possibility is there. Um, it's difficult. It's not the norm. But I would say just on, on a regular, um, say, medium of the road 
uh, way, you know, anybody can do what they want to do, and, you know, with the right publicity and the right promotion, uh, you can get things done. But for the most part, on, on a larger scale, it takes advertising. And unfortunately, I mean, and maybe you can correct me, but I don't know any African Americans that own Fortune 500 companies. So therefore, when you, when you talk about advertising on a regular basis on the networks or uh, on a startup channel or a network or something like that, you have to have businesses that have a lot of money to advertise on a regular basis because it's not just advertising for one show. You know, you need people to advertise throughout an entire season of 13 shows or if it's radio once a week, five times a week, you know, the number um, could be very high. So you need advertisers who are willing to spend that money. And it's been my experience. This is not out of a book. This is not conjecture. It's been my experience that the white community is not in the business of uplifting our community. And so, therefore, we, can, we never have been able to and we can never expect to uh, look towards that community for support with advertising. Yeah, that, that's why I made the mention of Freedom's Journal, the first black-owned newspaper in this country. I mean, they scuffled and they went out of business for several reasons. Number one, philosophical uh, differences, but also because of lack of support because they could not sustain themselves using the model of the uh, newspapers and the broadsides and broadsheets of their day. Absolutely. It, it, it's just, it, it's not going to work. And, and, and the thing is, in, in this new age of digital content, you know, even some of the larger magazines and, and outlets, they, they're closing down because, you know, they just have to, you know, putting out certain magazines, newspapers is just not viable anymore. I mean, when you think about it, you know, and I'm here in New York, so like you take the New York Times or the Post or the Daily News, I mean, how much money could they be making off of 25 cents a copy or 40 cents a copy? They're not making their money on, you know, having the newspapers on the newsstand, you know, and, and magazines don't make their money that way either. What what they make their money on is being able to boast to the advertiser how many subscribers they have or how many newspapers go on the newsstands every day. And so at the end of the day, it still boils down to not the 25 or 50 cents for the newspaper. It boils down to, you know, how large is their circulation so they can get the proper advertisers to back, you know, what they're doing. And as a whole, you know, and, and there are a few, you know, but there are very few African-American companies that have the the revenue to support, you know, venues like that on a regular basis. So it it makes it very difficult for an African American organization to sustain itself. Well, it would seem that we understand that and we've learned it the hard way. I mean, because I used to write for at least five newspapers in the Philadelphia area alone, newspapers and magazines. Almost all of them are going out have gone out of business. And even there were several uh, that we knew were uh, radical and we weren't going to get the kind of advertising. Uh, to his credit, Terry Johnson, who was the publisher, refused to take, he did not seek out uh, alcohol or tobacco ads because uh, they were the only entities that were willing to advertise other than a few mom-and-pop stores. But... Um, what do we have to do to change that model? In other words, we see it's not working, and we want to produce, we want to publish, we want to air. So what, what, what are we going to have to do to, to change that? 
Well, it, it, it's it's a difficult situation, you know, and you know, it's my belief that in this incarnation of the planet, and then this planet goes through many incarnations, you know, whether it was the dinosaurs or Egypt ruling, you know, or you know what the Greek uh, dynasty, whatever, you know, whatever incarnation there is, it, it takes on a different energy. It's my belief that the planet during this incarnation, we're never going to see a change with that. You know, it, it, you know, the mindset of, of the, the community is divided. It always will be. And, you know, one of the things that, you know, I mean, whether you agree with what President Obama has done or not, you know, agree with what he's done as a listener um, or you as a host, at, at the end of the day, you know, the president is going through what every other African-American male goes through in this country. And it's not that we're the angry black man. It's not that we are, you know, that we're delusional or we're making this stuff up. The bottom line is, and, and don't get me wrong, and I want to just say this because I know, you know, things end up on Twitter. They end up on, you know, in other magazines and newspapers, and they, they you know, they always take your stuff out of context and just, you know, put, you know, one quote or whatever. So I'm going to give a complete, phrase of, of what I'm saying. Make no mistake, there have been white men and women in my career that I would have never, ever been able to succeed and move forward without their help. And that goes back to the fact that they are the ones in power and they are the ones that control everything. So I would have never gotten in the Directors Guild if it wasn't for a man named John D'Angelo, who believed me, believed in me. Um, I wouldn't have got the directing experience, you know, if it wasn't for a, a guy named Barry Citron at Long Island University. And you want to go back even further than that in high school, Donald Pickoff, who, you know, who believed in me. So I'm making it very clear that, you know, my success has been because of white men and women believing in me. But at the same time, it is my belief that as a whole, the white community does not have the black community's interest at heart. And as a result, there's always going to be jealousy. There's always going to be envy. There's always going to be why is, why is his, his kids getting a good education or Junius's kids getting a good education? Why does Junius have the post that he has? Why does Neil have the post that he's – you know, there, there's always this, this – um, it's a dichotomy. It's a duality where on one hand, you know, you, and, I, and I've experienced this, you're respected for your skills and your talents. But on the other hand, another jealousy and another sabotage, you know, comes into place. And, you know, I, I always say to people, take responsibility for your actions. I take responsibility for mine. I mean, there's been many cases where maybe my performance wasn't at a level that it needed to be. But I can tell you this. My performances have never been any less than my white counterparts. But at the same time, because of the society that we live in, unfortunately, as African Americans, we have to always function at 10. We have to always function at 9, or we run the risk of, you know, running in, you know, to, to various different problems and troubles. So to answer your question, I, I don't really think that there's a lot that we're going to be able to do during this incarnation. I mean, I think Oprah is doing a wonderful, wonderful job with the own network. I mean, I've watched that network grow. I mean, I don't know this as a fact, but I think there was some room that she was debating on whether to cancel it years ago because I think they were having... Yeah, she was having problems shortly after they launched uh, Typical, you know, couldn't get the ads, things like that. 
You see, so yeah, so that that information was correct. I'm, I'm glad you you know you heard that because it, it it becomes difficult. But she hung in there, and and you know I've watched it grow, and she does some wonderful stuff on it. There, there's wonderful programming for everybody. But one of the things that you know folks may not understand is that even when Oprah was on network television, that show was not being sold to the advertisers as a show for African Americans. Oh, of course not. It never yeah. lasted. Yeah, otherwise they would have they would have never gotten the advertising. I mean, she did programming that benefited our community. She always included us in, you know, the the programming that she did because she was a smart lady and she knew that she had to do a show that was geared towards, you know, the 30 to 40 year old white a white female. She had to put white females in the audience because that's you know what the cameras are going to be shooting, and that way she could get her message across and she could you know benefit the African American community. So that that's the trouble that you know we have, and I want to use the word trouble. It's the challenge that we have when we do programming. You know, we we have to be very strategic, and in many cases, sometimes we we we're not able to do the grassroots programming that we want to do because at the end of the day, you know, we're still relying upon advertisers to pay the bill. And if, we, if we're doing programming that in any way, you know, rubs the advertiser the wrong way or for that matter pisses them off, we're going to lose that advertising. So, you know, it, it really, really becomes difficult. And I mean on a, on a larger scale to do grassroots programming. But we can do grassroots programming in venues like this, on your show, on, you know, other shows that air on blog talk, on other people's private podcasts, on, you know, blogs and so on and so forth. And we can touch people one by one, you know, because I heard an artist say many, many years ago that, you know, you, you have to give the same performance whether you are yeah. on stage for one person or you're on stage for a million people. So I think that, you know, we can touch souls one by one, and, and, and that's why I continue to do Rainbow Soul and to do the things that I do because I'm just one one entity in this in this whole game. And, you know, if, if one of the hosts can do a show that's going to impact one life, then I think that, that it makes a difference. So, you know, we can keep keep nudging ahead. You know, it's like when that little drop drops on the rock, at first you say, ah, there's no way it can make a dent, but... When that rock, that raindrop keeps dropping on that rock over a month, over a year, it, it does make an indentation. So I think that that's what we have to strive for. We, ha we have to try to make inroads in the ways that we can. But I think on a larger scale, you know, when you're talking about the millions and trillions of dollars that are, that are being made and the types of audiences that you can get in one sitting, like 45 million people around the world, 100, 200, 300 million people around the world, it's a different game, and, and, and the advertisers are, in, in my opinion, and what I have seen in my short time on this planet, they're just never, ever going to support those kind of venues. The technology has changed since you first started to, and it, it pretty much reflects uh, radio, the, the development of t terrestrial radio, where... Uh, you had a lot of AM stations, then FM comes on the scene, and, and so you have a, a a boom in programming. You have a different uh, areas, and that did not necessarily exist prior to FM coming on the scene and being inserted in people's cars and 
homes and things like that. We've seen where Rainbow Soul was the preeminent talk channel for black people around the world for several years. And then with the explosion of these other servers and other uh, programs, anybody and their mother can have a show. So what's your take on that in terms of where we are right now? Well, I think I think that's a good thing, and 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 it actually saved Rainbow Soul because I have you know no problems at mentioning. I mean, we use Blog Talk Radio, you know, as as our backbone, as our portal for our hosts to be able to do their shows. And you probably remember because you've been with me the whole trip. I mean, there was a year or maybe eight or nine months or whatever we were off the air on Rainbow Soul because it it just became too much for me. I mean, I was a one man band. I was. You know, recording, yeah, you were doing editing, everything. You know, yeah. twenty twenty host shows, and you know, and then you know, I was going through some financial difficulties and changes of jobs and divorces and all kind. You know, just living life. So it, you know, it became difficult for me to do that. And so, in two thousand eight, when Blog Talk Radio launched launched their portal, and they actually contacted me about it. Um, I thought it was a wonderful opportunity to bring uh, Blog Talk Radio back, and I mean to bring Rainbow Soul back through Blog Talk Radio's portal, and I think that it, it's been become a beneficial thing because although the hosts function under the Blake Radio Network and our banner, they're still able to control their content and and do the shows when they're ready to do them, and you know man their own databases and so on and so forth. So I I think it's a good thing, and and I think change in my opinion is always a good thing. I think the people who stay up on technology are the ones who are going to succeed in life. I mean, I think that, you know, you, you can't be locked in to one way of doing things. And I think that, you know, folks particularly, and they're, they're noticing it now because I have friends who are being laid off and families are being laid off, 40s to 50s, you know, you, you know people are go, undergoing a change that, if they're not willing to to move with technology and 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 basically you know the word I like to use is to embrace the technology and make it work for yourself you you're definitely you're going to get lost in the shuffle and you're not going to be able to survive i mean artists use the term all the time but they they constantly have to reinvent themselves right right and yeah and it's the thing that has to be done i mean you, you know if Janet Jackson's going to come out with a new album next year she's going to come out with a comp- completely different look, a completely different hairstyle, you know, she's going to promote things differently. So I think that, you know, the general public needs to take some of these things and some of these people that they look up to and rather just only, you know, listening to the music and listening to the other things that they're doing, look at the business that they're doing because the, the business part of it is very important because everything on this planet is about business, you know, whether it's entertainment or, you know, trying to give out good positive information. There has to be the business side to it. And, you know, I think that we have to learn to embrace the technology. I mean, I, I know folks who worked in the TV business, they didn't want to embrace the technology. They're lost. I mean, when I first started back in 88, just to cover, uh, let's say, a story out in the field, that took three people to do. You know, you had a cam, not including mm-hmm. the talent, <laughs> you mm-hmm. had a camera person, you had an audio person, you had a lighting person, and if it was a big shoot, you had a, a fourth person that was your gaffer or grip that would help you run wires up a, a hallway or whatever. And many of the camera people over the years, you know, they basically... 
um, resisted the change, you know, to the one-man bands and stuff like that. And and I will agree with this. Yes, it does take away work from other people. There, there's no ifs, ands, or buts about that. I don't support, you know, people losing their jobs or losing work. But the thing is, is you, you can't change evolution. Things are going to change. And if you don't learn how to use the equipment, you don't learn how to go digital, you don't embrace other things. Like when I first started, people did one thing. You know, they were either a camera person, an audio engineer, they were a lighting person, a director. You can't be that way anymore. I mean, you can have areas that you feel you are, you know, going to be exclusive to, but you, you have to know how to do a lot of different things, you know, if, if you're going to, you know, succeed in this society. So I think it's a good thing. Like, you know, like you said, anybody and their mother can do a show, and, and I think that that's a good thing. Um, you're, you're not going to touch people for the most part in, in the numbers that the networks can do, but you are going to touch people's souls one by one, and I, and I think that that's a positive thing, and I think the planet needs that for a positive growth. Yeah, and I, I, I'm all for the democratization of technology so that more and more people can have it as opposed to say what I call the the medieval model where everything was held by the monarchs, the religious hierarchies, and a few other people. And the masses just were at at, at their uh, whim and, and uh, uh, largesse, if, if they had any, you know, to, to, to give to them. And, and they were just at their mercy. Amen. I mean, and, and, and that's the problem. And, and that's when people are taken advantage of. That's when people are abused. That's when people create exclusive clubs and, and things of that sort because, you know, there really is no brain surgery. It's just that if you are locked out of a particular situation, you, you know, there is no recourse to you. I mean, if you have the talent and you know how to do brain surgery, it's not going to be an issue for you. So, I mean, it's the same thing. If, if you're given the equipment and you're taught how to do things, you know, you will be able to excel. I mean, it's like, you know, I teach my nephews and my son and my, even my sister, you know, I, sh- I teach them, like, just say on a, on a simple thing, like on the weekends, you know, shooting the kids' games, you know, the football games for the coaches and the parents, I teach other people how to do it, you know, because it, it doesn't have to be exclusive to me. It, it's not something that's brain surgery. You know, yes, we do have our aptitudes and talents. That I will not deny. Not everybody can be a singer. Not everybody can be a camera person. Not everybody has the aptitude to do everything. But if you don't show somebody and give them the opportunity to do it and actually teach them the fundamentals of something, they will never know whether they can do it or not. And I can tell you, I have, you know, kids 10 years old, 9 years old, to say my sister who's in her 40s, once you show them what has to be done, they're able to do it. You know, it's not brain surgery. So I think that part of it is that, you know, we have to teach each other. We have to uplift each other. And, you know, that's one of the reasons why I do Rainbow Soul. I mean, I'll be honest with you, and we've had this discussion. I mean, Rainbow Soul, as far as the programming, is nowhere near where I would want it to be and envisioned it to be as far as grassroots programming goes. Um, but, you know, that's a long story in of itself. But the thing is, is that you just have to do the best you can with what you have. If, if you drop out and you quit, then, you know, you're not doing anybody uh, any good, especially the community. 
Yeah, especially during these times, I think it was uh, George Orwell who said, during times of universal deceit, telling the truth becomes a revolutionary act. So if there's any time that telling the truth needs to be someone's calling, it's now. Yes. What's uh, what's what's on the agenda for uh, Music Massage? What what are you doing with that? Music Massage is is going very well. You know, we have a lot of listeners all around the world that listen on a regular basis. Um, and and Music Massage is a passion for me. You know, I love slow jams, R and B jazz, and reggae slow jams. So um, that's it's it's therapy for me. You know, um, to to be broadcasting you know, that kind of music, and, you know, it's basically something that I know the planet likes, and they like and they enjoy, because in this day and age of 20, 30,000 channels, and Sirius, and, you know, XM Radio, you know, all these other different venues, and I think another big one now is iHeartRadio, and, and TuneIn Radio, and all that yeah, kind of Pandora, stuff. Yeah, Pandora, yeah. Pan- oh, Pandora is like, you know, probably number one for most people, you know, in terms of being able to create their own playlists in terms of what they want to listen to. So I just, you know, I thank God, I thank the creator that, you know, we still maintain a segment of this huge um, and cut-up audience now. You know, it's amazing to me. You know, we have people, you know, from the very beginning who still listen. We have new people. I mean, one of the things that helps us out a lot is that, you know, we are embedded in the iTunes radio player, which helps us out tremendously. We get a lot, a lot of traffic from iTunes. And I find that to be amazing in of itself when, you know, you have people who have their own music, they build their own playlists through their iPhones and, and all that kind of stuff, but that they're still logging in and, and listening to, you know, what I should say searching out in iTunes radio for channels that are, you know, music that they're interested in. So, you know, I, I just think it's a beautiful thing that with all the competition that's out there, um, you know, the Blake Radio Network, along with, you know, Rainbow So and Music Massage, was still able to carve out an audience. As there, it, would it be easier to leverage uh, Music Massage, you know, in terms of getting sponsorships or, or underwriters? Because this tends yeah. not to be as political. Yeah, I mean, I think that music obviously definitely would be easier to get advertisers, but, you know, advertisers are looking for huge, huge numbers. Um, they're looking for niche programming that they can say that and, you know, have the proof to say that, look, if we advertise with you, um, you know, we're, we're going to be able to, you know, get, you know, our money back. Mm-hmm. And, and, and it's just, it's just difficult, you know, because you have, you know, 20,000 channels out there. You know, there's really no reason for them to advertise with you unless you do have a huge, huge, you know, niche audience, you know, fortunately or unfortunately, you know, advertisers, you know, are still more comfortable, they're more hyped up about advertising on terrestrial radio mm-hmm. and, and you know, terrestrial television and, and cable and, and things of that sort. But, you know, it, it's all changing. I mean, you know, look at what shows like Orange is the New Black have done. You know, Netflix changed the whole game. You know, they they won like 20 Emmys last year, you know. So the, the other channels and cable systems, you know, they're, you know, they're up in arms, you know, um, not necessarily in a bad way, but they, they got to raise their right, eyebrows right, now. Right, 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 right. <laughs> yeah, and I, yeah. I think what it does is it, it makes everybody be better on, you know, better at their game, 
You know, and I, and I think at the end of the day, the only person that benefits from that is the public. We, you know, we hopefully get better programming and and programming that that's more geared, you know, more geared to you know what we like and you know the things that you know we want to support as a consumer. Now, one time I asked you about uh, satellite radio, and, and and shortly prior to our discussion, you were approached by someone, or either you approached someone. Whatever happened with that? Yeah, it, it just never worked out, you know. Um, you know, well, at one point we were approached by Real Networks, and and that was in the middle two uh, thousands. Um, Real Networks saw the numbers that we were doing, and they asked us to become a part of their network. Um, it wasn't just us; it was about forty other channels. Um, they thought that that would be a lucrative way for them to, um, you know, generate listenership and advertisers, you know, with these niche channels. Um, so we came aboard. We, you know, we were instrumental in um, facilitating through Live 365 the technology that was going to allow our real networks to stream our channel because at the time we were streaming through Live 365. So, um, you know, we were in talks and, you know, I was involved with everybody, you know, the technicians at Real Networks and Live 365, and they, they came up with the solution and, and we were able to stream uh, through 365 as our server, and we were on real networks, and we turned it into a subscription model. Um, we charged nine bucks a month or whatever it was, and you know we had actually it was a good time for us. I mean, we didn't have a ton of subscribers, but you know we had. I mean, at the time, I think at our peak, we might have had about three or four hundred, maybe five hundred, six hundred subscribers. And we were growing with that, um, you know, in addition to, you know, some of our other channels that were not subscription channels, um, it, you know, that was up in the listenership there because they were now aware of Blake Radio Network and so on and so forth. But it just wasn't enough money for real networks. So they, they ended up dropping the majority of the channels that they brought on, and they just kept channels that were very, very lucrative for them, like the <coughs> channel and, you know, I think a couple of sports channels or whatever. But they tried. I mean, they, they had a vision. I was a part of that. I thought it was a great thing. It was a great opportunity for us. It taught me a lot in terms of dealing with infrastructure and things like that. So, you know, it, it's, it's, it's very tough. I mean, as far as Sirius and XM, you know, I had tried to approach them to, to get Music Massage and Rainbow Soul on there. Um, that never really worked out, never really panned out. But, um, you know, when we see an opportunity, we try, and, and, and that's all we can do. And, you know, I think one of the things to also realize is that without, you know, um, making yourself bankrupt, um, you got to still, you know, contribute to the planet the best way you can. Yeah, yeah. And we have to realize that during this lifetime, this may not be the time that we're supposed to become millionaires or, you know, have our product you know, seen or listened to, you know, by multi-millions and billions of people, you know. But it, it shouldn't stop us. We, we have to put the word out there. And as I say, I just love the fact that with the technology, with the YouTube, with the streaming, you know, we are able to touch souls one by one. Now, I've, I've been listening to you. You seem to have, uh, and I don't know whether, and I don't, uh, if I'm off base, you know, let me know, um, when your mother made transition, you seemed to go through a real deep period, and I'm just listening to you using words like incarnation, soul, uh, uh, in essence, consciousness, and evolution. So where are you with that personally? Because, uh, you know, it's, it seems that you've taken on, uh, that you've grown. 
tremendously. Well, when you mentioned the passing of my mother, when my mother passed away, you know, and that that was, I think, five years ago now, maybe a little longer. Um, you know, you realize and, and, and you wake up immediately and you understand that none of this matters, really. You know, when, when you're six feet under, none of this is going to matter. So, you know, we have to do the best that we can with what we have now. I mean, I've always been a spiritual person. I'm not a, what you would call a church going person, per se, but I've always been a spiritual person. I've always been, you know, trying to connect to myself, you know, from, I would say, age 18, 19, 20, using herbs and things like that, you know, figuring out how, you know, I could, you know, go to the vitamin shops, you know, it wasn't, well, I, well there was a vitamin shop in the 70s, but, you know, I used to go to the health food stores, and, um, you know, I was exposed to Queen of Fua back in the day, um, you know, I, I was exposed to Dr. Alvinia Fulton through Bob Law's show and Dick Gregory, um, so, you know, and I have to say a lot from Bob Law's show, because I used to stay up, that was a passion of mine, staying up through the middle of the night, listening to night talk, mm -hmm. you know, mm -hmm. and, you know, he had some wonderful people on there, and, you know, particularly Dick Gregory, I mean, you, I know you remember back in the day with the Bohemian Diet, yeah. and all that kind of yeah. stuff, so I, I've always been in that frame of mind in terms of, you know, being spiritual and knowing that, you know, you have to feed your body temple a, a certain way. And that's why, as you remember, when I first came out with Ramos, I mean, we had the Queen of Foods and, yep. you know, all that stuff on there because that was something that's close to me, and, and it still is. I mean, I'm, I'm heavily involved with Eastern medicine. I mean, I've been involved with that now probably for 25 years. I've been going to the same doctor here in Chinatown probably for like 20 years now. So, you know, it, it, it's a wonderful thing. I love it. But, you know, you, you are correct. You know, um, I think that when my mother passed, um, you know, there is a, an awakening because it, it happened so suddenly that you then wake up and realize that, you know, number one, nothing is forever. I mean, we all know that. But, you know, it's like a song that Jaheim made until it happens to you. Mm, and, mm. and then when it happens to you, if you're smart, you know, if you pay attention, um, you know, you can get your life lessons out of it. And, and, and my life lesson from that was, is that you just have to, you have to do it now. Because when you're six feet under, no one, I mean, number one, it's not gonna matter. <laughs> the majority of people are not gonna care. And guess what? The majority of us, will be forgotten after one generation. Mm -hmm. You know, yeah. it's gonna, yeah. it takes children or, you know, if you're, in, if you're in entertainment or something like that, your legacy does continue. But for the average person, if your children don't pass along your legacy, yep. um, you will be forgotten. You know, the average person doesn't know their great-grandparents, <laughs> you know, and there's no disrespect there by anybody not passing along that person's name and their memory. It's just that's the fact. You know, people are just not going to remember. And I tell you that this generation here runs a high risk because no one prints out pictures anymore. No one does photo albums. I mean, and people do, don't get me wrong. But when we, you and I grew up, I mean, that's all you had. You had You're photo right. albums all over the place. You know, now everything's <laughs> on Facebook. You know, God forbid those servers get blown up or something, everybody's pictures are going to be gone. Yeah. You know, yeah. because most people, when their PC or their laptop goes, the pictures and everything go with it. You know, a lot of people, you know, do store their stuff on external hard drives and stuff, but that is not the norm. 
you know, that that's only the few. So Well, now everybody um, is caught up with the cloud. So like you said, if those cloud servers get compromised or something happens, it's, it's all over. Oh, and it does. I mean, I took advantage of one of the first quote-unquote clouds, you know, in the early 2000s for Rainbow Soul. And the, the company went out of business. Yeah, yeah we, had all, we had all our shows up there. Right. As a result, the majority of those shows got destroyed and lost. And, you know, what had happened was that the company did their transition to the new company. They were supposed to be transferring the data over, and, they got, and the data got lost. I don't think it was anything intentional, but the bottom line is, is that all of our stuff got lost. Mm -hmm. and, and all they had to do was tell all the customers, look, we're going to be changing servers. Download your stuff. Yeah. That's all they had to tell us. I would have downloaded everything. But instead, you get these emails for a whole month. Oh, we're transitioning. Bottom line is the stuff is lost. So it's not that it can't happen. I mean, we're not in the early 2000s now. I mean, things are redundant. Things are on, you know, backed up yeah. five and ten times. But at the end of the day, if there's a time where there's a, a holocaust here or something like that, you know, and, and servers and things are actually blown up and whatever the situation may be, you know, there's always residual stuff, whether it be dinosaur bones or humans, this, you know, this, blah, blah, blah. Most people don't do pictures anymore. So those pictures won't even exist. And because we're less uh, aware of our past in terms of trying to learn lessons from our past, from our history. It doesn't mean anything to a lot of people anymore. And it's like the Africans say, when no one can call your name, that's when you're dead. Yes. You know, and unfortunately, like you said, because we don't have the griots, we don't have that, that jaylay, we don't have that oral tradition, and we don't sit around. I just said an example of that. Two years ago, we were at a family reunion. We had just come in from where we had it, sitting around my cousin's house, talking about the past. I'm listening to them, because I didn't grow up in Virginia, so I'm listening to the, them telling me stories about my grandfather and their parents and all of that. The young kids did not want to live. They, they left and went to uh, a steakhouse or someplace to eat. <laughs> and we sat around talking for hours. And we said, you know, they should have been in here. Or better yet, I should have taken out my camera and recorded it. But, you know, that's that was just a, a lost, uh, teachable moment. It's so true. You know, we, we're not passing, you know, along, you know, those kind of traditions. And, you know, people really have, especially the children, they have short attention spans now. Um you know, they're just, you know, they're multitasking. And, you know, unless you instill it upon them and, and almost, in a sense, force them to talk to the grandparents and the elders and, and be around the stories when they're being told, you know, the, that tradition is, is becoming a lost tradition. I mean, one of the things, like with, with Professor Gates, you know, and, and from Alex Haley and, and folks like that, you know, pe there are a lot of people, you know, interested in genealogy and things like that. But that's not the norm. You know, yeah, the average right. kids, all they care about is the Xbox and all that other kind of nonsense. So, you know, they're really, you know, not interested in, in, in learning about the grandmother and the great-grandparent or whatever unless you bring it up and you force them to take in the information. And then a lot of, a lot of the interest is so superficial. I mean, they, they yeah. really can't connect the dots between what happened, how we survived, how we were able to experience that horrific 
era and still come out fairly sane. Right. right. Obviously, Absolutely. there's all kinds of issues and trauma, and, and I don't like to call it post-traumatic stress because the, the, the trauma and the stress hasn't stopped. It's just more subtle. Yes, yes, and, 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 it, and it continues. And, you know, and all you have to do is look what they do to uh, President Obama. You, you know, yeah. it's the same yeah. thing. He's, quote, unquote, you know, the highest power in the land, and there is a concerted effort. It's not disguised or anything like that. Hey, we are going to veto and put a halt to everything you try to do. Imagine someone making a statement like, I will do everything I can to ensure his failure and not being called on it. Not, I mean, the, the, the people around the country did not call, I don't know whether it was McConnell or Boehner, I think it was Boehner, on that. Again, listening to you talking about incarnations and consciousness and evolution, we're at a lower, more dense vibration with the negative negative and one of the things I was listening I put down here negative emotions negative yeah. values negative energy and, that, and that's, that's what we're seeing absolutely you know and, and and it's not going to change you know I I just don't feel that it's going to change I mean are things better now you know than they were 50 years ago absolutely but just because something is better doesn't mean it's where it's supposed to be you know um, so I, I think that, you know, we're in for a difficult struggle. Um, you know, you've been around long enough to know, you know, this year it's one thing, next year it's another, you know. And I just think that as individuals, all we can do for our contribution is do the best that we can. We need to try to uplift people. We need to try to train people. I mean, that's been one of the major problems with most major African-American organizations. You know, it's about that one person yep. at the top, and then when that person moves on, the organization crashes because there's no one, you know, being trained. Mm -hmm. I mean, I don't know, yep. you know, what the situation is with Nation of Islam, but, you know, and maybe you have a better take on it than me, but I don't know who they're training to take over, you know, for Minister Farrakhan when he transitions. You know, growing up, I was part of a study group, and that's one of the things, when they looked at mass movements, they looked at Garvey, and they, they saw his greatness, but they also his, saw his weakness, you know, how he was able to be betrayed by people that were in his inner circle, and when they looked at the Nation of Islam, they said that was going to be the downfall when Elijah Muhammad made transition. That's when it would change, and it pretty much did. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And I mean, and, and Minister Farrakhan <laughs> did a pretty good job with it, but, you know, in the next incarnation, I mean, who's going to take over for him? Right, right. You know, you know what's going to be left? I mean, it's the same thing with the Urban League and, and, and NAACP and all these other organizations. I mean, it becomes difficult, you know, for these organizations to thrive and have the impact that they have if you're not training somebody behind you to make it happen. I mean, what's going to happen when Reverend Al passes? I mean, I don't know anybody else out there like him that, you know, even with his MSNBC show, even with all of the mainstream money that's coming into his pockets, he still maintains his network. He's still out there fighting, you know, when something goes wrong. I mean, I don't care whether it's political, whether he's being bought. I mean, all of that stuff is irrelevant to me. The bottom line is that he's out there fighting. 
Mm-hmm. So who's going to be mm-hmm. out there fighting when he moves on? Well, remember, COINTELPRO, the objective of COINTELPRO was either to eliminate the fighters or to co-opt them. And I think on some levels that's what they've done. Yeah, yeah, yeah. It, it always happens. You know, it, it, it always happens. But, you know, I, I think that there's got to still be people, you know, in a, in a grassroots situation that that want to take on the burden and the load. And, and, you know, those kinds of people are hard to come by. You know, yeah. it, it's not <coughs> Yeah, because they have to make sacrifices. And right, right. The models that we're shown, you know, on all these so-called reality shows, you don't see that, and we don't see it in our community. And if even if we do see it in our community, unfortunately, they're struggling and they're not rewarded. Where you can have somebody, and no disrespect, but Nini with a Nini Lake or whatever, you know, get rewarded for 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 doing nothing, or for most part, like like you said, no disrespect, stupidness, you know, and 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 that's what the advertiser will pay for. Right, you know, they don't right. they don't mind paying for an image that's going to be buffoonish or and, and I'm not calling any in, any person in particular buffoon I'm just saying that they will pay for that you know but they they're not going to support and uplift the community right, because right. that's not what they're in the business of doing no in in fact um it seems that and again it gets back to us not knowing our history they've taken stuff straight out of w uh, D.W. Griffin's Birth of a Nation, all those vile stereotypes, mm. and that's what they promote. Yep, yep, yep. That, that's and we all. bought into it, and we do it to ourselves. Yeah, yeah, because people <coughs> are hungry to make a living and, and to be able to enjoy um, the benefits and the fruits of, of living in America. And in order to do that, you know, if you take away the spiritual side of things, in order to, to, you know, enjoy the materialistic side of this world, you have to have money, you know. And, and, and without money, you're not able to, you know, enjoy the materialistic side. So, I mean, that, that's where things go. And, and I don't think it's any, it's no disrespect to anybody who's out there, you know, making a living because that is the name of the game. But, you know, there has to be a time where people also, you know, want to give back and help out the communities. And, and I think that a lot of artists and a lot of entertainers and, and basketball players, you know, sports figures, they do give back. I mean, and, and I think that they give back more than they're given credit to. And, you know, at the end of the day, I mean, probably a lot of us will not see what they're doing unless you're in a specific community. Right, unless they're in in their inner circle or we're impacted by them. Yep, yep. But it gets back to that balance. You said if you take away the spiritual, unfortunately that's what has happened. Right. That has right. been denigrated to at the expense of the material. You know, all the great wisdom teach and say that doesn't work. That's a formula for disaster. And And, and it has been. You know, because religion in this country and in the world has been a disaster. Oh, yeah. You know, yeah. It, it, you know it, it's not the spiritual. I mean, I don't care what religion 
you know, you believe in, because at the end of the day, they're all very similar. If you look at Islam and Christianity and Judaism and Hinduism, all they're all very similar. I mean, that you know, that they believe in certain structures and positiveness and so on and so forth. But you know, it you know, Minister Farrakhan said it years ago, and, and his comment was taken out of context. He said it's the people, it's the ministers, it's the imams, it's the rabbis that dirty the religion. You know, that's what happens to the religions. It's, it's, it's not the religion itself. It's not the practitioners. It's not, it's the people who want to take advantage of the practice. And I was actually at Madison Square Garden that night when he, when he gave that speech. And it was just crazy for me to see on the New York Post the following day, you know, that, you know, so, uh, Minister Farrakhan, uh, said that Judaism is a Yeah, yeah, yeah. That, that that's not what he said. Right. You know, I, I was there. I, I was sitting there because a friend of my good friend of mine who's in the nation of Islam, we had worked at the radio station together at Long Island University and um he was part of the FOI and all that stuff. So I mean I was there and I was a fan of, of what Minister was doing anyway and I sat there and I listened to it. He that wasn't even close to what he said. You know, it was, it was a whole speech and talk about basically it it took maybe about less than a minute and a half, and he just went through every religion, every name you would give for the leader of that religion, and said that it's those people, you know, who would dirty the religion. Mm -hmm. All you saw the next day was Judaism is a gutter religion. Well, that's because they were committed to uh, trying to undermine what he was doing. Yep, yep. And that's that's how they do it, And, and people see that, and they wonder, do they want to put themselves through that? Right. I remember Calvin Butts and uh, C. Dolores Tucker stood up against the gangster rappers, and they attacked them. And uh, she, I think she got sick as a result of that. And he, Reverend Butts backed off a little bit, but that's what they did. They had all these unconscious young people spewing their uh, vitriol against them, and other people see that and say, nah. I don't want to do that. I don't want to go right. through that. It, it, it's tough. I mean, Chris Rock two weeks ago did a he did a wonderful monologue about exactly what you're saying. You know, he he was very funny that night, and he said, "Look, you know, I, you know, to sum up what he had said, he said, you know, years ago, him and a bunch of other celebrities they went to D.C. to fight about gun control." And he says, he says, and I'm not a big gun control leader, you know, or advocate, but I just feel that, you know, I don't drive a NASCAR down, I'm not able to drive a NASCAR down the streets of New York, and so therefore you shouldn't be able to have a machine gun across the street from a school load full of kids, right? So anyway, he, he went down there to fight, blah, 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 with some other celebrities. He said when he got home, there was all this hate mail and all these death threats on his website about, you know, him forcing people to take the, you know, to not have guns mm-hmm. and all that kind of stuff. Mm-hmm. So he made a yeah. joke. He said, look, I'm never supporting anything again. He says, I'm just not going to do it. I says, if I, he says, I'm not going to support diseases, anything. He says, if you see me supporting a disease, it means I got it, you know. <laughs> so it, it, it's true. You know, people are easily, um, and you could say rightfully so or not rightfully so, people are discouraged you know, by death threats and, and, and different things like that. I mean, you know, that's why we really have to take our hats off to the Malcolms and the Martins, you know, to on yeah, a daily yeah, basis, their yeah. families, you know, you're getting phone calls, people telling you, you know, calling you the N-word and telling you they're going to kill your kids and, you know, all that kind of stuff. I mean, just as an individual, imagine if someone who you don't even know called your house and said, I'm going to kill you. Yeah, consistently, repeatedly. You know, right. Yeah. The first time is going to shake you up. But yeah. this is happening every day. 
Yeah. You know, so, you know, it, it's very difficult. And that's why, you know, everything is not for everybody, you know. And, um, you know, being a grassroots leader is not easy. Being a doctor is not easy. You know, if you want to take it to the other realm, being an athlete and an entertainer is not easy. You know, we're all cut out to do different things. And, you know, that's why I believe the children have to be exposed to as many things as they can so that they can decide and figure out what their aptitudes are and, and, and how they can make a positive contribution to themselves, their families, and, and hopefully the, the community as a whole. Now, I, like I said, I, I've watched and, and listened to you and I've seen you grow, and I want to ask you this question before we leave. You're talking about aptitudes and development. What about personal, do you believe in personal destiny or a mission that you come here to fulfill? Oh, absolutely. I mean, everyone has a purpose in life, and and the thing is, if that we can, if we can figure out what our purpose in life is, it it helps us to be able to navigate a lot easier because we know why we're here, and and you know, why we've chosen to be here and and and, and go through this you know journey, um, the way that we are. Unfortunately, that that's the trick. You know, yeah, that, that's, yeah, that's, yeah. That's the whole bamboozle. I mean, I mean, equate it to something like this. You're, you're standing on a planet, right? And we won't even call it a planet that we know, Mars or Alpha Centauri, anything like that. Just say, you know, you're standing on this planet called Square. And the guy is, he's standing over you and he says, look, you know, I'm going to send you down to Earth and you're going to go, you know, I'm going to send you through one of the women down there. You know, you're going to come through her body and that's going to be your transport. And when you come out, all you got to do is fulfill your purpose. And that person goes, ah, oh, that's easy. I'm going to be able to do that. What are you talking about? But he goes, but the thing is, is you're not going to be able to remember why, what your purpose is. That's going to be the difficulty. And that's what happens to all the, most of the people on the planet. We don't really know why we're here. We don't know what our purpose is. And so that's why we, we have but, to... But I, I think stuff. we do. It's just not... It's part of that internal guidance that we all have. Uh-huh. It's just that we're not taught. We don't listen to it. At some point, you knew that you were going to be a communicator. You knew it wasn't just an aptitudinal thing with you. You knew it just like I did because I was attracted to radio. Right, right. Well, it, you know, it, it, it's well, one of the, I may have told you the story in the past. I don't remember, but I remember living in Brooklyn on 29th Street. I was about to graduate from LIU, and um, I just had this epiphany almost. You know, um, I had applied to, I got the opportunity to work on Positively Black. I, you know, I mean, that whole process of how I even got on that show. Um, as an intern, I'm still friends with the producer today, Bob Martin, and I thank him so much for giving me that opportunity as a brother, good brother, um, out in Jersey. And like I said, we're still friends to this day. But he gave me the opportunity to be an intern. And then when the internship was over, you know, he said, you know, maybe I'll be back in touch with you because we're trying to get our own, you know, PAs on the show. But anyway, to make a long story short, I was just laying in the bed one day and I had this epiphany and I was like, well, you know, if I get the opportunity, to work on Paws Black, I am going to give back to the community in some way, some form or fashion. And the months went by. I remember getting a call in June. It was so funny because at the time I was still living home. I must have been like 19 or whatever. My mother was like, look, you need to get a job, get out of here, you got to do something. Mm. Right? 
And um, I remember getting that call, and it was like June or whatever, and he's like, hey, Neil, you know, blah, 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 how's it going? You know, we got that PA position. Would you be interested in working for us here at NBC? I'm positively black. And I was like, of course, you know. And the rest was history. And, you know, so what I have done, I've upheld my end of the bargain, and I got that opportunity. I vowed to myself and the creator that if I if I got that opportunity, that I would try to give back the best way that I could. And I know I'm not perfect at doing that, but that's why I do Rainbow Soul. That's why I try to help other people. I try to empower people, you know, share any little secrets or tidbits that I've learned along the way, whether it be with business or, or whatever, because that's my way of giving back. And, and the way you give back in many cases is there's not going to be a monetary reward right, for it. Right, right, right. You know, and, and, and that's not the issue. And it's not a tit-for-tat thing either. No, it, it can't be, you know, and, and, and our society is so, you know, I did this for you, now you got to do this. I, I, I never function like that. I'm, I, I consider myself a very giving person, and, you know, I, I just do the best I can with what I have. And, I, and I'll be the first to say I'm not perfect. Um, I probably could have done some things a little differently, but the one thing that I do um, believe in and, and I adhere to it at all times is that I take responsibility for my actions. And whether the, you know, what happens is good or bad, I take responsibility for it. Because we, we do have control to a certain extent. We can't blame this person, blame that person, or, you know, I lost my job or whatever. Yes, those things do impact us without a doubt. But at the end of the day, you know, it's up to us as a healthy individual, and I'm speaking for people, you know, who haven't had, you know, the opportunity to have a disability or, you know, have some something negative happen to them in their lives. If you have your health and you can see and hear and do what you're supposed to do, there really is no excuse. I mean, you, you have to try to figure something out. And that's all, and I'm saying that, you know, honestly knowing that it's not that simple. You know, it's not easy to find work. It's not easy to get opportunities, especially when you have other things up against you. But the thing is that if you have your health, you know, you have to try to figure things out. And the thing is if you don't figure it out, just take responsibility and understand that the repercussions, you know, may be good or bad. But ultimately, it's your responsibility to make something happen. Yeah, and, the, and for in terms of having a purpose... It's so, uh, everything is, is holistic that if you don't do it, the ecosphere and humanity suffers because you didn't bring what you came here to do. Absolutely. Absolutely. How can people uh, support uh, the Blake Radio Network? Well, people can continue listening to Music Massage and Rainbow Soul. We have donation uh, links on our website. You can donate as much as you want or as little as you want. I mean, a dollar, you know, helps us out. And I know folks always think that, you know, their dollar is not going to help or make a difference. But, you know, it's not true. You know, we we need revenue to help support, to pay for server space and, and, and things of that sort. We, we don't make any profit off of Blake Radio. So, um, you know, if you enjoy what we do, and, and that's only if you enjoy it or you if, whether you listen or not, if you think we're doing something good, then just log into BlakeRadio.com. 
um, and there you will find uh, links that you can, uh, you know, click on to, to help support us uh, with, with a financial donation. Anybody can reach me anytime, neil at blakeradio.com. That's N-E-I-L at blakeradio.com. Feel free to reach out to me, uh, answer any questions or concerns uh, that you may have. It, so what if someone wanted to be a host on uh, Rainbow Soul? If they want to be a host on Rainbow Soul, reach out to me. Let me know, um, you know, what you know your name is, where you're located around the world, because it doesn't have to be in the United States. And um, we'll get in touch with you. We'll let you know, um, you know, what we can do for you in terms of giving you the exposure uh, through the Blake Radio Network. And and I think that you'll have a great time here. Uh, with the other hosts in, in getting your message out and, uh, as Junius has just brought up, so eloquently uh, fulfilling your purpose. All right, brother. Our guest has been Neil Blake, the founder of the Blake Radio Network, a genuinely conscious brother, a genuinely spiritual brother, a brother's brother, and it's a pleasure for me to call him my friend. Hey, you, you are my friend. As you said, we've been friends for a long time now. We've been on this journey. We don't always talk as much as we can, but real friends don't have to talk every day. When we pick up the phone, we pick up um, where we last left off. And, and it's been a pleasure being introduced to you and being your friend all of these years, brother. All right, brother. Stay strong, black man. Stay strong. Have a good one. <laughs> talk to you later. Thank you. Okay, bye now. Cypress Pace is the face. You've been listening to the Cyberspace Sanctuary, a safe house for your mind on the Blake Radio Network with Junius Ricardo Stanton. Thank you for logging on. We invite you to tune in again and engage in mental decolonization. Free your mind, the rest will follow. That no corporation incorporates, no denominations, faith dominates, and no court is going to try anything.